What is up? And welcome back to the newest episode of the 48 Men Podcast. I am uh, obviously about to start filming this, and I am so excited because this is one of my best friends, and I'm really excited for our our conversation because uh, there's just so many layers to this individual, and he works for Delta Airlines. He is still single, which we're working on, and he's also a white belt in jiu-jitsu. So, Michael Byron, welcome to the podcast. I think you meant green belt, Christian. Are you a green belt? I'm a green, which is really just a glorified white belt, but still. <laughs> when I was typing out my intro, I was laughing out loud. Just I was just so anticipating saying white belt in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> well, I'll take it, but... Well, next next time I see you in person, we can uh, we can test test the skills. Yeah, you can just ask me to get on my knees, and we can just start wrestling. <laughs> It'll be awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you know, okay. So as I just mentioned, um, you know, you work for Delta, and it's super cool because you know most a lot of our friends, uh, you know, some work in ministry, some work corporately, and some work in you know more of a secular environment. And I think that sometimes we can think we have such a big personality, we're super fun, but it's tough for us to do a serious job. And you're one of those people who is the life of the party and has such a big personality and is super extroverted, spontaneous, a lot of fun, but yet you have a serious job, you know, working with finances for Delta. How do you feel like, you know, how do you feel like you manage that? What, how do you find your purpose in that? And, you know, is that something that you saw yourself doing growing up and throughout college? Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. Sorry, my chair is rolling around. Um, I said it's it's kind of interesting because I like went to Auburn, signed up to be a finance major, really like never had a crisis about it. It was like, yeah, I'll do that. I think I like it. And kind of Delta just fell into my lap. I um, applied for an internship my junior year of school, ended up working at the company. I liked liked interning there. Thankfully, they offered me full time. And then after a little delay due to COVID, I uh, started about two years ago. And um, it was interesting just because, like, I mean, like you said, you know me, like, (laughs) being a financial analyst doesn't exactly sound like the most exciting title. Um, And that's because it's not like there's, I don't care who you talk to, like, (laughs) it's only so much fun working on excel all day or trying to tie out numbers or make projections but i think i think there is a part of me that i do enjoy it it's kind of therapeutic for me like i like challenging myself trying to think that way but i kind of tell people when they ask oh do you like your job i'm like i do like the work i do but it's almost everything associated with it which is what makes it that i you know that i enjoy it so much yeah well it's really cool because i mean and just honestly, and I would I would say this to your face, and I'm telling you this to your face on the podcast, you know, I mean, I can't see you working for a church really, you know, and I, I don't right. I don't I don't think you could see yourself working for a church either. But it's so cool because you love Jesus so much and you really do find purpose in what you do. And you know, w- you know, working for Delta, you like I said, you find your purpose in that and you evangelize where you're at. You know, you you we don't I think sometimes we think, you know, doing ministry looks like working for ministry and sometimes it doesn't look like that. I mean, it's just wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whatever you feel passionate about doing, uh, you know, that's where you make a difference at. And for you, it's Delta. And I know that you have a bunch of coworkers who have different points of views than you, you know, and I think sometimes even as Christians, we can get just so conformed in our little bubbles of, 
you know, people who think like us, people who believe the same of same same as us, and it's cool because you're you're surrounded by people all day who have different beliefs than you. How do you feel like you've kind of gone from, you know, maybe being in college where we had our friend group where we're I, I guess you could maybe say more sheltered to where, you know, we're all the same beliefs to now going to a place where, by and large, it's, it's just a secular environment. And you're around people that have different beliefs in you. How do you feel like you've, how do you feel like that shaped your faith the last two years? Yeah, it's, it's been cool. Just, I think in general to see a transition in myself, like grew up in the South Southern Baptist home stereotype, went to Auburn where everyone's super similar. Like, thankfully we met, like had a great friend group of guys who are, you know, pretty involved with their faith. So it was just, you know, kind of the norm. And then moving to Atlanta, still in the South, but definitely much more of a big city feel like, you know, almost in Auburn, if you're like, oh, I don't go to church or whatever, people are like, oh, like, okay, that's surprising. Where now in Atlanta, it's kind of the opposite end of like, oh, yeah, I go to a church or something. People are more surprised that you do. Um, So it's been cool to see. I like I kind of had a crisis when I was getting ready to work with Delta, because like I mentioned, COVID delayed my job. So then I didn't know if, you know, that job would still be there. And I was looking at a few other opportunities and I just like, ultimately at the end of the day, I was like, I really think Delta is where I'm supposed to go. Um, And it's been cool to see that fruit because now like working with an airline, we get to travel a lot and go to all these cool places and you can only do that with the people you're working with. Um, and so it's like a really unique situation where like I go on vacation with my coworkers at least once a month. Whereas like, you know, most people you come in, you say hello at the water cooler and keep going. But I mean, I've gotten to see over the last two years, like these relationships form where these are some of my really good friends. Like I spend more time with them than probably anyone else in my community in Atlanta. And so it's been cool. Some maybe have more faith backgrounds, some not interested in church or faith or anything like that at all. And it's, it's been really cool to actually hang out with people with different beliefs and opinions. And, you know, you kind of learn from them and see like, Hey, how do you think about things or how do you process things? And like, I know I'm always really challenged when you see, someone who may not be interested in church or faith and they're more generous than you or more, you know, accepting or caring than you are. And you're like, man, like (laughs) I'm supposed to, you know, like I read and focus on this book that talks about the importance of this and like their more, you know, natural self is just geared this way. And so it's, it's always kind of, it's interesting just because it feels like, uh, you know, people are aware of my beliefs. So I guess you're kind of like under a lens where people are cognizant of like, Oh, like I do feel like this is kind of their, their view of like, what does a Christian look like? That's, you know, a young person in Atlanta. Well, it always does kind of slightly offend me that, you know, you take all these trips with your coworkers because you've (laughs) still never been here to visit me and you work for an airline company, which you could base. I mean, Atlanta to Monroe is literally an hour flight. Um, and you can basically, you know, like, I've been trying. We could have been filming this podcast today together in person, which I was planning on doing, but you just, uh, you just could not make the trip down. Which it's okay. I mean, I forgive you for it, but I, I was still, <laughs> you I, know, I, I was still slightly in, in offended when I see you in London and Paris and these 
<laughs> crazy places with your coworkers and at, at a Bills football game, but then you can't you can't make a simple hour flight to Monroe. Yeah, hey, I, I almost uh, wore my Bills jersey for this, but uh, you know, you know, Delta started in Monroe. I know, dude. Trust me, that's that that's that's uh, that's always our claim to fame. That's why we have an airport in Monroe. It's because of Delta. <laughs> See, so. so you, if if you were really if you were really that invested with Delta, you had been curious to come see, you know, the land of Monroe and, and, and how all that kind of started here. I'll be, I'll be down there soon. Mark my words. Hey, I love it. Well, you know, I mean, I, I said earlier, going from college to where we had our friend group and we had Bible studies and we had worship nights and church and it was very confined. And, you know, as you just mentioned, you hang out now more with your coworkers who have different backgrounds and different beliefs than you and you know you travel with them which is awesome how do you feel like you know just being in that mindset of you know we're not in we're, we're not of the we're not oh my gosh i'm drawing what why am i drawing a blank on the uh, verse we're not in the in, world we're of the world or something like that i'm yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm drawing yeah. <laughs> i can't remember it either now but this is a christian podcast and i'm forgetting the dang bible verse um but you know but you, you know what i'm saying like you're around these people and you're not conforming to their beliefs and their, and their ideals, you're standing strong in, in your own. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that sometimes over time that can get challenging, at least for me, I think it would, if I was around people that, you know, were just dropping F-bombs and language and wanting to get drunk and get high and whatever. Uh, cause at, at one point in my life I was like that and I've come out of that to where I know, you know, it would be difficult for me to be around those people just cause, you know, that's kind of my past and whatever, but how do you feel like you can be around that p- pretty often and not stumble into the things that, that all these people are kind of into? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's definitely something I have to check myself on because like, you know me, you know, I love to have a good time. Like I like loud music, like that kind of scene is just, is just fun for me. But then I also have to be, cognizant to not get caught up and like, Oh my gosh, I'm having a great time. And all of a sudden you go from having a beer or two to, you know, having too many or whether that's language jokes, whatever that looks like with me. Um, so I think it's just something I think because I've gotten to have so many cool conversations. Um, and like, I think like, I know a lot of my friends I work with really well, the same way they know me well. So I think we kind of respect each other's views and like kind of our boundaries on like what we will do, what we won't do. Um, So I definitely always have to be cognizant. Like, you know, if we go on a trip or a vacation somewhere of, you know, if we're going to go out to a bar or something like that one night, it's like, Hey, like, you know, be wise, be wise with this. Like just, you kind of just have to go in with a focused mindset, not like, Oh yeah, it'll be fine. Like, I think you have to like, if you don't first make that decision beforehand, then that's where you end up. I think getting into trouble. Yeah. Do you feel like at times you've felt the pressure to conform to it or to give into it to appear not like you're being judgmental or hypocritical? I don't, I don't think, I'd say that as much I've definitely like have to go in aware, like I mentioned. Um, and I think everybody understands kind of where I say, like for me personally, I don't have any problem having, having a beer, you know, 
any issues with alcohol. But I think, I mean, there's definitely times where if we're all doing something, it's like, oh, come on, have another drink, have another drink. And it's like, <laughs> I'm already, even though I'm kind of heavy, I'm, I'm a bit of a lightweight. So I'm like, look, all I need one or two, like when I'm probably a okay for the next hour or two. Um, so I, I think they know me well enough where I've never come across hypocritical or like, or I guess judgmental, like you mentioned, I would, I would at least hope that's the case because I think, you know, like it's, it's just hard to, you don't want people to think you, you think you're better than they are. Has that been, um, you know, cause I, I, I keep going back to college cause that's really our whole, uh, you know, in-person relationship, you know, that we've kind of built together. How do you feel like you've kind of adapted to finding community post-college? I know you go to Passion, you're, you're part of some of the small groups and stuff. But how do you feel like, you know, then like you said, you work from eight to five or nine to five or whatever your hours are. How do you feel like you've found community post-college aside from Delta, um, you know, through church and other things? How do you feel like you've adapted to just being in a good solid community because i mean like you said you are in a community at delta but at the same time it's not necessarily always encouraging and uplifting and challenging your faith so how do you feel like you've uh you know combated that community with a strong faith community since moving to atlanta yeah i'm thankful um when i first moved here had a few friends work with passion city um so i kind of got connected pretty quickly and just through, there are so many, I was kind of surprised because, you know, Auburn, like, felt like the Holy Land, especially in terms of community, like, so many great people everywhere. And I was like, oh, you know, there's no way Atlanta will be like that. Like, I'm sure I'll go to a church, get plugged in, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. And I mean, I was just overwhelmed with the amount of people I met that were like, oh, let me connect you with this person and this person. Let me invite you to this. Um, And so, Pretty early on, I kind of formed a bigger group of friends, people I knew. But then, again, I'm coming out of Auburn where most of you guys, we'd done life together all four years. So it was funny. I was telling somebody just this week of I feel like now kind of two years in, I'm really connected with, um, you know, it's past just like, oh, yeah, this is my friend in Atlanta, but actually building strong relationships with guys here. Um, and I've got like a men's group I go to um, where it's been really great because not only do we get together and, you know, read, pray for each other, et cetera, but we're all friends. Like we look forward to doing stuff. So, I mean, we've gone wakeboarding together, or go out and hang out somewhere together. Just like, it's not like a group that just meets once or twice a week, but you know, we get together and just hang out and have a good time. So not only do you work for Delta and you, you have your community there, you have your community with church, but you used to have a community uh, with a living situation in college, and now you live by yourself, um, which I would say is uh, it's your choice. <laughs> How do you feel like you find, you know, even just purpose and isolation, just being by yourself and you know, not having uh, people that you live with like you did in college? It's been pretty interesting. I didn't really intend to live by myself. I got the chance to purchase a little condo in town. And then I was like, oh, I'll get a roommate. And kind of the back of 2022 was just really busy for me. 
I didn't want just a random person living with me. So I kind of just put it on pause. Um, I tell people probably 95% of the time I love it. Uh, <laughs> I love to come home, recharge, know that no one is going to bother me. Um, but there definitely are times, you know, if you're having a bad day or, you know, it's, it's easy to be isolated. Like there's plenty of Fridays where I could just lay down on the couch and it's like, where if I had a roommate that maybe like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. You want to come with me or something where like, I have to actively, you know, text people like, Hey, what are you doing later? You know, things like that, like kind of community and like events don't just happen as naturally as when, you know, if you're living with another guy, a few guys, like you're all your friend groups are kind of meshing. Um, but it, it's been really good. I think it's, it's kind of been a cool test to see of like, Hey, or how content are you with yourself? Are you comfortable being alone, sitting in silence? Um, and so it's, it's been really good for me to see that and understand, like, I really am okay being completely alone. And like, you know, I'm not here, like really nervous because it's like, Oh, nobody's here. But I guess you kind of see your true self. So, you know, I had Bradley on the podcast a few weeks ago. <laughs> And Bradley was your roommate for two years. I I, I, uh-huh. I just had this thought because I was just curious because when you were talking about coming home and you know no one's here and you don't have the pressure or anything, can you share just a funny, appropriate story of <laughs> you and Bradley living together? Because I'm thinking of one, but I, I, I want to hear what comes to your mind. Two things come to mind is Bradley, for I don't know what reason, always would take his socks off. And so he would like, lay down on our couch and just for some reason, like would have to take his socks off. And so they would just pile up in our living room and I would always know where he'd been. And like our senior year, there was a span of time where I would walk in and Bradley would be in some type of like acrobatic position asleep on the couch. And at one point I had an album on my phone. I don't think I do anymore, but it's like 10, 15 pictures of Bradley just like, he may like have his legs in the air and be like hanging off the couch on the other side. And I would just always walk in and he'd just be slumped in some way or another. Slumped, not from being drunk, but from just <laughs> sleeping. Just just being a big old bear asleep. Just sleeping. Um, well, the story I was thinking of was, um, you know, in the, I, I think it was in the mornings <sighs> when Bradley would always blare worship music. I- <laughs> and he would always play the same few songs oh my gosh which is funny bradley would he played the song new wine probably three thousand times my junior year i mean we'd get in the truck he'd be like hey man have you heard this song bradley this is the 15th time you showed me it today (laughs) um and i actually it's funny i forget about that i couldn't listen to that song for a couple years and it has ended up i think it was one of my like spotify rap top five songs of 2022 like Love that song dearly now, but I forgot that Bradley. Uh, I thought it was on a hiatus. I thought from it for a little while. I thought it was what a beautiful name, but I forget. I forgot it was new wine. Yeah, new wine. I <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, I just remember the stories. Yeah, it would be like in the morning, and he would be in the shower, just blaring it through the speakers, and <laughs> you, yeah, it was always the same song on repeat. That's so funny. It was good. Me and Bradley lived together. Well, we didn't. I don't think we annoyed each other too much. Yeah, y'all did it. It's nice. Well, something I love about you, and I just think about, you know, for just for being in classes together and and, and being in school together. And I'm, I mean, I'm imagining you're, you know, you're just as disciplined now as you were then. But something really cool about you is, 
you're such a disciplined person, whether it's jujitsu, which I want to get to in a little bit, or just work or your faith. And something cool about you and something that I really admire is you are always so disciplined with a quiet time. And it's cool because you're not, I mean, I think, because I, I feel like most times that can get a bad, I don't want to say a bad rap, but towards like, oh, if you're always having, if you're super disciplined with a quiet time, it can be, you know, legalistic or you're super religious. And I wouldn't say that you are super legalistic or, you know, obviously you're, you're religious, but not in like a, you know, like a heretic way. But how do you feel like you are super disciplined with having a quiet time and not out of that feeling of being legalistic, but it's really just part of your routine and it's something that you've always done since, I, since I've known you? Yeah, it's funny. My freshman year, I uh, became a believer senior year of high school, like, you know, kind of started reading more actively. And then I got to college and just like, got distracted early on where it was like much harder to read at night just because it was like, Oh, I'm meeting all these friends, have all these plans. And it's funny. It's probably like the best return I've had on a prayer uh, of like, I prayed like, you know, help me, like make me have to read my Bible basically. And I think like maybe a couple of days later, I like woke up late or you know didn't read or whatever and i think a group of us went to the lake and i remember that whole day i was like so anxious i was like what is up with me like i normally you know i like <laughs> like i'm at the lake like how much more fun could i be having um and it was funny and i just started to realize like there really was a need put in me where I, like i have to start my day um with reading and then i think it just it stuck like i watched the the bible is what changed my life during that time. Um, so it just kind of stuck with me to where I had to keep reading in order to feel like I was functioning. And like, if I go a few days without, I can see like different sin patterns in my life that just start picking up more and more and different things like that. Are you still as disciplined now as you, as you were in college with your quiet times? Yeah, the discipline is definitely maintained. I mean, I've honestly... I was encouraged like when I first became a believer, they're like, Hey, start in the gospel of John. I was like, okay. And I basically just like read through rinse, repeat over and over again. Um, and I, uh, I've honestly not had a season, you know, of course I've missed my days every once in a while, but I've don't think I've probably ever gone more than four or five days in the last eight years without reading. Um, so it's just, it's become so ingrained in me now. Like there's just like, I don't even think about it. It's like, it's just like, yep. Got to wake up and read. And like some days it's shorter than others. Um, but yeah, it's just thankfully so built into me now where it's, you know what I mean? It's not even like a discipline. It's just like, Oh yeah. Like this is what you do. Like the same thing as like drink water when you wake up, like same thing. Yeah. No, that's good. Because I mean, you know, like I was just saying earlier, I do think that sometimes, you know, cause, cause me- like Matt Chandler talks about it a lot and I love it because I can I think even sometimes I can fall into that mindset of you know he was like your kid didn't get sick because you missed your quiet time and it's like a it's like a jokingly statement but it's serious because we we do sometimes think like you know God is punishing us if we miss you know a prayer time or if we're not listening to worship on our on our drive to work or if we you know fail to have a quiet time in the morning before we go to the gym or something or, or go do jujitsu. Like, you know, there's, there necessarily aren't these like repercussions for those stuff 
if they miss and it's just cool to hear just to hear your perspective on that because I, I do think that sometimes we can fall into that of thinking that these bad things happen if we fail to you know to do something and it can just it, it can get easy to get in that legalistic mindset of like I, I have to do this I have to do this and over time it can be a have to instead of like I want to or I get to um so it's cool it, it, it's cool to hear you say it's a to, to some to some point, it's not even a discipline anymore. It's just what you do, and it's just who you are. Yeah, and I think too to add on that of like agree like yes, your child doesn't get sick because you didn't read your Bible or you know you didn't read your Bible long enough. But it's like you might be a lot more anxious or trying to control a situation or angry with your your wife that day because you didn't read and get rooted in in the Word dealing with their sickness. You know, and I think that's where I've seen it. Is it's like. I just, <laughs> I'm so quick. I mean, literally after a day or two, it it's very clear to me if I stop reading and I'm like, I kind of have to almost like I'm desperate. Otherwise I will, <laughs> I'll look about as lost as can be if I went a week without it. So it's kind of like, well, <laughs> I guess I don't have another option. I would not want to be driving in front of you if you've not read your Bible in a week. <laughs> you hardly want to after I read it that morning. You really do have like the worst road rage. I've learned if I listen to some soft instrumental, it kind of calms me down. Uh, yeah, when I'm driving in the mornings, but especially in Atlanta, it's hard because it's like it's kind of encouraged, uh, you know, full speed ahead. What bugs you the worst with driving? Like, is it someone like slow in the left lane, someone who doesn't use their blinker? Probably, yeah, slow in the left lane is tough. In Atlanta, you can't use your blinker really because, yeah. like, if you if like there's no merging, everyone tries to cut you off, so it's like. <laughs> Hopefully my insurance agent isn't listening to this, but like you kind of like I flip it on, then you just have to turn like, cause if somebody actually turns on their blinker, it, it's basically a telltale sign of you should speed up because they are about to drive really slow and get in a wreck. Um, so yeah, I think that, or if you don't use your blinker though, on like, you know, just a neighborhood street or something like you're turning somewhere that's not normal to turn and you just slam your brakes on for, you know, no reason as if we're supposed to read your mind. That's uh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> that happened to me a couple times this week, but my, my horn's still functioning pretty good. So, well, almost everyone I know in just different circles that, that I talk to, almost every one of them is like obsessed with jujitsu. It's weird. It's like pickleball and jujitsu are like now the thing that like everybody does. Um, and I don't really do either one of them. Um, but for you, jujitsu, Everyone, everyone always says the same thing. It's like it humbles you really quick. Um, mm-hmm. And I know I've heard you say that too. What do you feel like you've learned about yourself since starting jujitsu? And have you, um, I mean, are there, are there things that you've discovered about yourself since doing that? Because it is something that does humble you. And if you come in prideful, you know, if you, if you think you're super strong, then someone who weighs 120 could, you know, could defeat you in a match or whatever. How, what do you feel like you've learned about yourself since? getting serious about jujitsu because you you do it i mean how, how many days do you do jujitsu i try to do it like three days a week yeah. it kind of depends i feel like I feel, I feel like you send pictures of yourself doing it more <laughs> but uh all right what have you learned about yourself it um i don't know it's cool i signed up actually after reading ben stewart's book rest and war and it's it was such a good book kind of like talking about like what things bring you life yeah. for me i was like i don't really have any hobbies or like you know, I was like, I mean, I like hanging out with friends. I like working, but 
that was it. And I was like, you know what? Like I've heard about this on Joe Rogan, probably as most people have. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to sign up, commit, say I'm going to do it for, you know, six months and go from there. Um, so I started doing it and just kind of got hooked. I had literally no wrestling experience, no, like nothing. I just walked in and I mean, it was a pretty intimidating gym. Most of the people at our gym, it's a full MMA gym, like fight for a living. Um, and like literally one day class was delayed because there was so much blood on the mat. They had to get off from the like MMA class before. <laughs> um, but I think since doing it, it, I guess it's cool to learn the skills. Um, cause I can see like, I'm a little over a year in now and like when a brand new white belt comes to class, you know, in a matter of a few seconds, you can have them in some type of submission. And it's like, wait, that was me just a year ago. Um, and I think like, I really like the cardio aspect of it too. Um, cause I don't like cardio much. And I mean, it's, it's just been great exercise, but it's been cool to see of like, I mean, I told you there's, there's a girl that's sort of reference. I'm like six, one, six, two, 200 pounds. There's a girl that's about five, five, 120 pounds, maybe. And she tapped me out five times in five minutes, one time. And it's like, <laughs> and I mean, I was going like full speed. And so it's just, it's so interesting to see like how much skill outweighs like weight or, you know, just brute strength. Um, Cause they'll just use that against you. Like you try and extend your arm and before you know it, they're about to break it. Um, so it's been cool to see. And like, I think thankfully I am competitive, but it doesn't take long to be humbled in there. Like there's no like, Oh, if I just try a little harder, I can do this. Like <laughs> it, it's so black and white if somebody's better than you. And like, it takes so long to learn where um, I don't think I've had honestly too many bad moments of like, and like if you ever don't tap quick enough, you learn because there's days like if somebody has you in a choke or something, like your voice is raspy for the next two weeks because of it. And it like hurts to swallow. And it like, it takes that happening about one time for you're like, all right, I'm definitely just going to tap next time. What were your initial thoughts when you walked in? Because I mean, like you said, you are, you are a bigger guy and you're super strong. I mean, did you, you know, was there any cockiness in that? Or, I mean, not, not, not in like a, you know, fill in the blank way, but yeah, you know, I was, I was intimidated at first because I mean, again, like killers, like some people from the UFC are at our gym. I mean, like it's, it's the real deal. Um, but I was cognizant too, that like, once I did it after a time or two, I was like, man, I think I actually have a body type that would be pretty good for this. Cause I'm flexible my strength to weight's a pretty good ratio. Um, and so it was like, you know, you kind of learn in the first month or two, you learn a lot of the basics of like defending yourself and all. And so, I mean, it, it seriously, it did not take me long until I was pretty hooked by it. And I like, I even feel like as believers, and this is a serious comment, it sounds like, <laughs> it's like, of course you're trying to tie this in, but it's like, it's a defensive art. So it's nice to be able to walk around so much more confidently of like, Hey, if somebody, you know, you're walking with your wife or kids or something like that. And like there was actually an altercation or you see a dude hitting a woman, you know what I mean? Something like that. Like 
it's nice jujitsu is defensive where you could actually control situation. And maybe that doesn't look like you having to bash somebody's face in, but you can have somebody, you know, pinned or something like that. And so I think even as a believer, like it's kind of a nice supporting thing to have where you can walk around confidently knowing you could defend yourself if there was ever an altercation, but also, you know, I, I think rather than, you know, beating somebody, punching them in the face a hundred times, you know, you can just control a situation until police or whatever that looks like gets yeah, there. That's cool. When, whenever I think of situations like that, I just always think of like King David. Mm-hmm. Cause I just think there's nobody that could have beat him. I, I really just don't. I mean, the dude was just a savage. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> I mean, if, if you kill 10,000 men, I mean, that's just nuts. I saw John Wick the other day and he killed like 140 and I'm like, King David, if you do that to the multiple of 10, I mean, or whatever the, I've, it's been so long since I've done math. Uh, <laughs> if you do whatever the you multiple of You don't have to do that much would, anymore? Uh, no, I don't really. I mean, nothing like fractions and <laughs> stuff like that. No. I forgot. I, used, so, I forgot that. <laughs> that's still your life. I forgot. Sadly. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he, I really think he could control any situation. It's cool because, I mean, I've, I've even had that thought. And oftentimes it can be, you know, in a worldly way that sometimes when I'm at the gym, I I, I can be cognizant of that of like, because we've had plenty of issues in the past just with Sadie and, and, and different stuff to where it's mm-hmm. like, if anything ever did escalate and I needed to like be protective over honey and we're about to have another daughter, you know, it's about to be, I'm about to be the man with three girls. And it's like, if I can't defend myself, how can I defend them? You know, because I, I even think of the parable when Jesus talks about, um, you know, the strong man in the house. And he's like, and you won't plunder his goods, but but if but if he overtakes a strong man, and it's like, you know, sometimes if push does come to shove, which hope it never does, if you're not able to defend that, then you know, I don't, because cause, cause there are spiritual there are spiritual applications to it of. You know things like that, but I do think that sometimes there can be just a natural like, you know, I want to be in good enough shape and be strong mm-hmm. enough to where if anything ever happened, you know, cardio wise or strength wise or whatever, I could be able to, um, you know, protect my family. Agreed, and I think too, it again once you're confident in those skills, you know what I mean. Like if somebody walked up to you. I was like, oh, Christian, I bet I'm stronger than you. You know, just some random Joe. You're probably going to laugh at him and be like, yeah, man, that's great. Whatever. Because you don't you don't feel challenged by that because you're like, bro, like, you know what I mean? Like if we were to I hate to use the word lift off, but like, you know, you're clearly you're like, I, I know I'm stronger than you. I know I'm more capable than you in this. So I think the same way, like you don't even feel as challenged if a random person bumped you, you know what I mean? Something like that. And like tried to pick a fight. You wouldn't even feel that challenge of like, Oh, I need to prove myself. It's like, Hey man, that's great. Like, or if somebody approached Sadie, like you mentioned, like you could, I feel like it actually allows us to be even more, I don't passive. It's not the right word, but we're able to kind of hold guard down even better because it's like, Hey, if this actually escalates, I'm very confident. Like these abilities I have. Yeah, for sure. Well, because well, well, cause then there's a flip side to it, right? You know, there could be a point where you where you get so good at jujitsu, or I get so strong, there's like an overconfidence to it. Mm-hmm. And you have a like, because I, I mean, honestly, I even think I have a lot more testosterone than I did when I weighed 185. You know, I, I just I think that and I'm 
225 now. And it's like sometimes that can be a bad thing to where it's like if someone just looks at me, I'm like, oh, like, you know, I, I can literally think like, oh, if something were to go down, like, you know, you wouldn't stand a chance, which is terrible, which is like, I don't like to say that, but I do have those thoughts to where there could, like, there is a point where like you get overly confident, you know, in that ability to where, you know, it, it is just, it, it, it can be unhealthy. And I, I mean, I've seen Agreed. that in, in my own life since getting stronger, that there could at some point be a false confidence in that strength. No, I'm, I'm with you. And I think that's the one other thing I probably learned from jujitsu and from the humbling standpoint is like, it's just so interesting to see like some like tall, like lanky dude, just be an absolute killer. Like, and I think it even reminds you like, don't judge a book by its cover because like yeah, most from like a fitness standpoint, I'm probably on like the upper end of the scale of a lot of people in our classes. But like <laughs> there are people a lot smaller than me with a lot more fat on them than me, like every aspect different physically who can just, I mean, it takes seconds for them to kill me. Like truly my favorite are like the coach slash professor for our class. He's I think 140 pounds, probably five, six. One day he had me, you know, how you like fly a little kid, like an airplane. Like if you lay on your back and you uh-huh. put them, yeah. he had me like that flip me over his head. And before I knew it, I was in some type of like neck choke submission. I mean, literally in a matter of a few seconds. <laughs> and that always keeps you humble. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's a good, good reminder. Well, you know, okay. So I've mentioned, I had Bradley on a few weeks ago then had chat on a few weeks ago too. And, uh, you and Chad are, are, are my two single guests that I've had um, on the podcast. And Chad had a lot of really good single advice. Um, you know, and, and I know that you've walked through something in the, in the last couple of months, but what do you feel like, you know, God has taught you from that? Cause I mean, I, I know if you were to say in college, you, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if you would say that you thought you'd still be single at, at, at 25, you know, what do you feel like you've learned, um, in your singleness, what do you feel like is, has been good about it? What, what's been a struggle for you in it? And um, what are kind of your hopes for it in the future? Yeah, it's funny. It's, I guess, similar. Like in some ways, I feel like I'm still the same person from college, at least at my core. But I think I look at it now. I'm, what year is it? Three years removed. It's like the person I would have married in Auburn would not be, I don't think, the person I married today. And so that's always, cause again, if you would ask me in college, I mean, you know, all of our friends, like I didn't realize actually that's a joke in Atlanta is like Auburn, particularly everyone gets married like right away. And so that just felt like the normal thing for me. It's like, oh yeah, you get married right out of school. Like do that for a few years, maybe have some kids. And it's funny to see, cause I honestly kind of hit a point this year I turned 25 which is still like relatively young. And I was like, man, I actually have to open my eyes and accept like, if I would have drawn it out, I would have liked to be married at this point. And it was just like a real conversation I had to have with God of like, okay, I'm actually not exactly in the place I would have put myself, but I'm very cognizant of what you're doing. Because like, again, I get to have all these great relationships with people at work and travel with them. Like I don't have a wife or kids at home. Like literally one day I showed up to work 
like had my bags packed to go on a trip and I ended up in Europe instead. Like I'm have so much flexibility. Um, and so I think it kind of puts me on a spot today where it's like, yeah, most definitely a desire I have, but I think in the same way where I'm like, man, I think not that it wouldn't have worked, but somebody would have married, you know, at Auburn today, like there would be a lot more challenges. I don't think I'd be the same person. So I kind of use that to remind myself of like, Oh wait, there's a lot going on behind the scenes and I'm being shaped into a different person. And that probably means whatever potential wife is out there. She's also being shaped right now. And so just trusting of like, all right, maybe I wanted it at 22, 23, but maybe that's 25 for me. Maybe that's 28, maybe that's 33, you know, it's just like, I don't, thankfully I don't feel that urge to settle. So I'm, I'm like, well, I'll just hold out till, till I'm interested, I guess. Well, it's so cool. You have that perspective. Cause it really is. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, when you start dating someone seriously, then you get engaged, then married, you're like, you don't have all that flexibility to go to Europe spontaneously with your friends. Like you don't, you know, you don't just get to go fly to a Bills game Sunday night and, hang out for the weekend you know they're like there are adjustments that you have to make and and there are things you know that you have to adapt to so it's cool to hear you had that perspective because it really does change and hearing you and just seeing you make the most of those opportunities is really cool and even just the things that you know because i know that we um i know that you told me a few weeks ago you had a moment i can't remember where it was you were out you're on the beach somewhere and uh, where was it when you had that mo- when you had that Barcelona? And yeah, you were on the beach in Barcelona, <laughs> in the you know super late at night when you just feel like God was just speaking to you. And um, you know, most people in our friend group don't have that luxury of getting to travel to places like that, and even just seeing God break your heart for something on the beach in Barcelona at what was it like 2 a.m. or something? That that was actually during the day, but oh, it was one day. of those moments of just like, that was actually when I had that moment of like, oh my gosh, like I've got to actually sit here and admit I'm not where I, Michael, want to be, but I'm very cognizant that you're doing something a lot bigger behind the scenes right yeah. now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so cool to hear you have that perspective of like you're on the beach in Barcelona and God just breaks your heart and you're honest and, and repentant over something and just confessing stuff to the Lord that, you know, he is revealing things to you. That's a bigger plan than maybe what way you might see. And it's cool to, cause there's, there's, there's those moments all around us all the time. We just have to be aware and, um, just be present in them. Cause if we're always wishing for the next thing of, um, you know, I want this or I want that, or I want to be in this relationship or I want to, you know, get a promotion, whatever, whatever that could be, we miss the present moment that we're in and, mm-hmm. and fail to realize how God's trying to speak to us and trying to bless us in this moment. No, exactly. I am a mentor in Auburn. She told me one time, like talking about like gifts or opportunities we have. And I was like, kind of telling her, I was like, Hey, I, I feel weird. Like, you know, I've been blessed with like, for example, like we used to go to the beach a ton in college. Like that was super unique. And like, there's no way, like I can't invite people. I don't have a beach house to invite people to. And, you know, sometimes you're kind of like, man, I I feel so lucky to have this, but it's like, what's the return side of that? And she just encouraged me. She's like, Hey, any gift or any blessing from God is never meant to stop with you and to pass through. So like, for example, with getting to travel, like I do now, like 
yes, that's great, but there is a bigger reason behind it. Like, mm-hmm. I think a huge part of that is the intentional relationships I get to build and like with my friends and like, man, just the people you meet. I've had so many cool airplane conversations with people of like, you know, you kind of start chatting and all of a sudden before you know it, like you're talking about, about life. What do you think happens after lot life or after death? Like, all these things and just understanding more of like any blessings or gifts we have really are meant to be, we're like pass through entities, like everything funnels back out of us. Like nothing's ever meant to just stop. It's like, that doesn't sound like God, like, Oh, this is so great. Now it should stop with me. Like, no, that's selfish. Like everything's meant to funnel through us. So it's just, it's been cool to see. And I guess that's what I'm trying to keep remembering going forward. That's awesome, man. Well, you, you really are one of the most loyal friends that I have. And um, I just love our relationship and I love our friendship. And I'm, I'm grateful that you were able to join me today and um, just catch up and talk about life and also just hear your wisdom on, you know, so many things from, uh, you know, doing life and community with people that are non-believers and have different thought processes than us and uh, how you've been humbled in jujitsu and even how you feel like God can speak to you. Um, you know, through people on an airplane or through, um, you know, being on a beach in Barcelona or whatever that could be. That could be on a pond in Atlanta or Auburn. I mean, the amount of times God spoke to me at a pond in Auburn was just crazy. And it's just, we just have to be available and uh, just be willing to hear what he has to say. Sometimes that might not be what we want to hear, but sometimes it might be what we need to hear. So I'd love your heart. And uh, I'm just grateful that you're able to sit down for a little bit. I know you got a meeting here a little bit with Delta. And uh, I'm just thankful that you're able to ha- have a conversation and just be open and honest about just all the stuff that you're going through and where you've been. So, you know, I love you. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Sorry for the, uh, the work calls today. It's uh, turned out to be a busy day, but no, soon I'll come down. Perfect. I'll come down to Ilmo U airport. It'll, it'll be perfect. Please make a trip down soon. I mean, goodness gracious, you, you if can we afford could get it. Parker to stay in town. I'm trying to do a double whammy. Hey, Parker's always gone somewhere. So, We'll get it coordinated soon. We will. Love you, brother. All right. Love you, crew.